Hello everyone, this is the Controller Disconnected Podcast. I am your host, Matthias Carnero. We're gonna be doing things a little differently today. This began as a gaming podcast, but in the interest of keeping things fresh for both myself and for you, dear listeners, I'm going to be expanding into movies as well. We'll start things slow with a few movie reviews, then maybe moving on to other topics related to films. I hope you come along for this new ride, and maybe I can help you discover a new movie every now and then. Well then, let's begin with a few titles that I've watched recently. This is... The Film Gauntlet. Before we begin, it's important to note that my reviews might contain spoilers, so proceed with caution. I'll try my hardest not to review too much about any movies, though. Number 1. Little Women, directed by Greta Gerwig, released in 2019. This is the most recent adaptation of the 1868 novel Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Despite this, I had never really heard of any of the other movies made before this one, and the only thing I knew about the book itself was a reference in a Friends episode where Rachel couldn't finish the book because it was getting too sad. After watching the film, I think I know what part she meant, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I found that the film began rather slowly, but Sir Ronan's character of Joe March caught me right from the get-go. A woman who values her freedom and tries to live her dreams going against society's customs, she's an author living in New York, trying to get her stories published and living in a rented apartment, which I suppose describes many writers in present times too. The movie bounces back and forth between a period of seven years prior, where she and the other March sisters, Amy, Beth, and Meg, all live together with their mother and their father, who's away fighting in the Civil War, and the current times where they are wrapped up in their own lives. Amy is living in Paris with her aunt, Meg is a housewife with two children, and Beth is bedridden suffering from scarlet fever. Little side note, I've had scarlet fever in the past and it's really no joke. I'll be forever grateful for Mother Medicine for healing up well from it. The film treats this switching in time periods very well, only employing text in the very first time it does so. The past has a warmer orange tone to the scenes and giving it a more rose-tinted feeling, while the present is colder and more bland with a grayer tint and toned-down colors. The circumstances around each time frame are very different from each other as well, with the past displaying a happy family united in childhood, growing up and making mistakes, and in the present being separated, living their own lives and dealing with their own conflicts and problems, being ultimately brought back together by a tragic common thread. From what I heard, the book tells the story chronologically, and this timeskeeping was written by Gerwig on her adaptation. While I can't speak in comparison to the original telling, I liked the way that she chose to tell it, as it brought to light some parallels between both periods, the shining example being the stair scene that was discussed in the film spotting podcast. What is basically the same sequence happens in both the past and the present, and is shown back-to-back in the film, eliciting wildly different reactions both times. Those who have seen the movie will know what I mean, and I think that this is the part of the book that Rachel was crying about. Though the cinematography isn't exceptional, it still leaves its marks with some beautiful shots from far away and close up, which is also helped by the variety in scenery from rural and urban settings and different seasons, and there are also some crane shots that make for some subtle but appreciative variety for the eyes. The shining stars of the movie are the characters themselves. I briefly talked about Ronan's Joe March earlier, but her character goes beyond only trying to write for a living. 
I perceive her as the glue of the family, as she is the one who involves her sisters in the theater skits that she writes and shows great worry over seeing older sister Meg marrying a man and leaving a household. She is also close friends with Laurie, played by Timothy Chalamet, and has a noticeable chemistry with him from the moment they meet, which does come to a boiling point later in the movie. Meg March, played by Emma Watson, is the most traditional woman of the family in my view, as she is the one who goes to debutante parties and is the first one to get married as well. Amy March, played by Florence Pugh, is a bit of a troublemaker, pulling shenanigans in school and at home, but she changes into an upper-class leader after Aunt Marsh takes her under her wing when Beth falls ill. Speaking of Beth, played by Eliza Scanlon, though she somewhat stays in the background in the grander scale of the movie, her illness is the inciting incident that brings the family back together eventually, so her part in the story is anything but underestimated. Lastly, I was pleasantly surprised by seeing Laura Dern and Meryl Streep playing Marmee and Aunt March respectively. I didn't know the full cast list before going to the see the movie, so yes, it did surprise me. I wasn't expecting Greta Gerwig to jump to a period piece after doing a coming-of-age story, but upon thinking more deeply, both this movie and Lady Bird have more in common than I, than I initially thought. And though I said the beginning of the movie was a bit lagging, it picked up steam halfway through and I thoroughly enjoyed it from then on. I highly recommend you see it if you haven't already. Number 2. What Did Jack Do? Directed by David Lynch, released in 2017. This was a weird movie. That sentence could describe basically all of David Lynch's filmography, but it doesn't hurt to reinforce it every now and then. This is a short movie recently published by Netflix on their streaming platform, but it was originally released in a book launch three years ago. That book being David Lynch's own, of course. The main characters of the short are a detective played by Lynch and a capuchin monkey played by Jack Cruz, who sounds suspiciously like Lynch. It could be a massive coincidence and they just cast a very close sound alike, though. Oh yeah, the monkey talks, by the way. The detective questions Jack about a possible murder that he may have committed. Jack avoids answering any of the detective's questions with cryptic sayings and feelings of longing for his love to the bond. I'll just cut to the chase here, nothing makes much sense in this movie. I could describe it second by second, break down the shots, analyze the characters, the cinematography and such, but it's pointless. The shtick here is that it's an absurd film with an absurd premise, and there's no hidden meaning or lines to read between, but I don't mean to say that it's bad, not at all. It's just simply not supposed to be read too deeply, and that's okay. This movie feels like the product of someone writing down whatever comes up during one of their daydreams, and they managed to get someone with a lot of disposable income to finance the production. The cherry on top of this weird cake is the musical piece that Jack breaks into near the end of the short, where he further sings about his feelings for Tudabon. And by the way, that mu that song is for sale on Sacred Bones Records if you wanna, if you were interested in acquiring that for some reason. And I'm not sure what else I can say or elaborate. It's a strange, strange short movie. Actually, on that point, I think it works because of its short length. It's only 17 minutes long. If this were a feature-length movie, then the confusion it elicits would turn many people off, but since it's so momentaneous, it sticks the landing better. Now, I don't know what to, what else to say. Go watch it, or don't, or, or watch a more conventional David Lynch movie. I know that sentence doesn't make very much sense either, but you get what I mean. Now we're going to take a little break, and then I'm going to come back for the last review of this episode.
Number three, Dear Basketball, directed by Glenn Keane, released in 2017. I believe a large majority of the people listening to this episode are aware of the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, as well as John, Carrie, and Alyssa Altobelli, Christina Mouser, Sarah and Peyton Chester, and Ara Zobayan. Outside of playing the NBA live games when they were still good, I don't really know anything about basketball. But I knew who Kobe was and how great of an impact he had on the sport. So, as my little way of paying tribute, I watched the Oscar-winning short animation that he wrote called Dear Basketball. The animation is based off the letter that Kobe wrote announcing his retirement from the sport in 2015. It's drawn in a sketch-like manner as if you picked up a book and flipped through it very quickly. It looks gorgeous and it feels like a letter being written with shapes and movements instead of words. The letter itself is narrated by Kobe himself and it tells the story of his inspiration to play basketball and his career on the court all the way to the point he feels like he's not able to play anymore. It's very heartfelt and it comes from a point of view of someone still passionate about what they did and feeling sorry that their body can't carry on doing it. Someone reflecting upon their trajectory and accomplishments knowing that they have to leave their career behind. Upon the recent events it takes a deeper meaning as the man behind it is no longer among us but I would rather not read into it any further than that out of respect. You can find a short unofficially through a quick Google search, and I offer my condolences to the families of all those affected by this tragedy. And that does it for this episode of Controller Disconnected. Thank you very much for listening, and I apologize for being such a short episode again, but I think that this has been working more uh, better for me because I'm a solo host, and I don't really have the, the ways of talking too much. So I, I hope, I'm hoping that these short episodes are doing well for you. But I'm going to try to make it a little chunkier in the following episodes. I'm going to try to write a little more and, being, and have, having more things to say. So I hope, that, I hope that this makes it better for you. Or if you already liked it the way it is, then great. Anyway, please leave us a kind review through the link in the show notes or go to ratethispodcast.com slash condisconnected. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at condisconnected. Once again, thank you for listening. I am Matthias Carnero, and I will see you soon.